everyone, and welcome to the NFL Roadshow Post Week 3 edition. A brutal week from an injury standpoint. Way too many carts brought out on the field yesterday and key pieces. Lost to injury Quentin Nelson, Quiddy Pay, AJ Brown, James White, Blake Martinez, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, Juju Smith Schuster, Taryn Armstead, Josh Norman, Tyler Lockett, who's okay, I guess. Thank goodness. Khalil Mack left and came back. Christian McCaffrey on Thursday got hurt. I'm not sure it's any more injuries than we normally see, but it feels like they're up. I'd be interested in looking into that. Either way, I want it to stop. I just want the best players out there giving their teams the best shot to win. I also want their coaches to give them the best shot to win. And that is where I'm going to start today's show with an awesome guest, by the way, Will Brinson from CBS Sports, host of the Pick 6 Pod, which posts daily. That just makes me tired thinking about that. But that's not my prevailing emotion at the moment. Tired. Is tired an emotion? Anyway, I'm fired up. And I'm infrequently fired up. It takes a lot to get me fired up. But I'm there. So let's break the huddle so I can start unpacking. Hello, let's go! Two, all, two, all, two. Ready? Ready? All right, Will Brinson. So I got to tell you, I am normally the type of person that is, let's start with the positive and then get to the negative. Like, let's not come right out of the gate with all the things that we hate. Um, And I'm also somebody who's, it's kind of hard to get me like super fired up. Like I hate the debate shows where they yell at each other and everything seems like they, they see it so clearly and it's very obvious and I am right. And the other side is wrong. I am somebody who operates in the gray spaces. Right. And you tries- have to have nuance with football. I mean, it's just, yes. Yeah. Right. There's always another side to the story. There's always a reason that people are doing things a certain way. And so I always try to take a step back and say like, this is how I see it. I understand that it might not be that way, whatever, but I'm fired up today. Oh, okay. I am. Well, I what don't understand. I'm fired up about the Bears. Oh, okay. I'm Very, not alone in that department. No, not at all. They're bad. And oh, sorry, you go ahead and tell me why you're fired up. I was actually no, fired I, up about them a few minutes ago on radio. It's it's um This like, is good. See, I'm not alone. So this oh. makes me feel like I have company in my hateful space. Um, okay, so let me ask you this. If you you're you're doing you're podcasting for a job, right? Right. If if somebody <laughs> sent you was like, okay. Lindsay, here, we're going to set up your podcast. I mean, I podcast for a living too. And they're like, here is a laptop with no headphones, no microphone. And dial up. Yeah, and dial up. <laughs> we're not going to give you a producer. Or no, your producer is actually like, he's never worked on the internet or, and he doesn't like sports or and like doesn't know how to edit. Audio. And he just graduated college last week. Right. Yes. And if your producer is like that, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Obviously he's not. But you know, my point being is, that's what Matt Nagy did to Justin Fields. I know. He, he's basically told him to be the guy behind Andy Dalton. No. Design, they had 40, was it 45 or 47 yards? That is impossible in, in, the, in 2021. Well, I'll tell you what they had. They had one passing yard. They had one, one passing, passing yard. yard. They had nine sacks. He was sacked nine times. He was sacked at a clip of nine times the amount of yards that he actually counted for through the air. And I mean, there's no chance it was I mean so I get I get all the people that are out there today going like oh the people who called for Justin Fields to start are now like oh he wasn't ready and blah 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 I don't think that he wasn't ready I don't think and I never said that he was ready I just said you gotta put him out there anyway because you're not going anywhere this year so let him get better let's go through this learning process this year but put him in a position to succeed understand who you drafted 
take this rushing quarterback and actually put him in a position where he can utilize his strengths to drop him back into the pocket and never move the pocket and have no boots or cut the field uh, in half one time. Or, just just roll him out and cut the field in half and give him like a basic high low read with three guys flooding across. But in worst case, you might get two passing yards, which is double what you had. <laughs> Sorry, I'm now I'm fired up too. No, this is good. I appreciate this. Uh, Join me in my my space. And this is Um, not even like hot take debatey stuff. This is just. I agree. What are we we doing? Well, and the thing. So here's the thing for me. Yeah, you had three rushing attempts, right? So like, and I get that, but three rushing attempts. It's what the holy heck? So Miles Miles Garrett had one and a half more sacks than Justin Fields had rushing attempts. Look, the offensive line is terrible. Right. It's awful. So to put him back in five protect, like you're you're just setting him up to fail in the first place. If you're not designing him to like, you should be looking to him to make up for the fact that the offensive line is a deficiency because he can move around and at least keep the defense at bay and buy your wide receivers some time to not use him in that way. Just feels like a fireable offense. And I hate talking about getting people fired. They're people they're trying their best. But I tell you what, with Matt Nagy, I'm at a point now, and this is why I feel comfortable being fired up, because it didn't make sense to me the way he used Mitchell Trubisky. The fact that Mitchell Trubisky's strength was also his legs, less so than Justin Fields, but also a strength of his. That was when he had success, was the fact that he could buy you that kind of time and that he could make something happen when everything else fell apart. And the fact that they purposefully did not incorporate that into the offense for so long. And then for a little while, you're like, okay, but he's our franchise quarterback and you don't want to risk him getting hurt. And you go, okay. But then it gets to a point where he's clearly not a priority for your franchise at all. You're going to move on if he doesn't succeed. So then use him that way because at least put him in a position where he can prove that he can do it if he's doing it the way that he should be doing it. Otherwise, you're just going to throw him away. So who cares if he gets hurt? From a franchise standpoint. So I, at this point, am now thinking there is a body of work. We have a large sample size of Matt Nagy. Maybe just not doing this right. Right. So let me, let me ask you this. Is it, is it conceivable? It's definitely conceivable, but is it possible that the re like the actual situation that occurred in reality is not that the bears scouted and uh, profiled and loved Justin Fields. I'm being serious here, but instead he just fell. He fell and they were like, we can, we, can get, we can get an extra year out of our jobs if we get this guy. Like, this guy will buy us more time. We don't even really know if we love him and we don't want to build an offense around him. But if we go get him, we'll buy, we'll buy ourselves some, some job security because bad NFL teams do that all the time. Yeah, guys, yeah. With, guys whose seats are hot are constantly uh, doubling and tripling down on themselves at the expense of the franchise down the road. And it feels like maybe that's what they did here. Not that they love Justin Fields and let's build something around him. Also on the, you know, the rushing stuff. I mean, not an analytics expert, Mm -hmm. not even a tape grinder here, but everyone knows if you run some RPOs, you're going to make, you're going to make the numbers more favorable in your, in the offense's behalf. And it will improve your blocking just by virtue of the numbers. Like why? I mean, what I'm shaking. I'm like knocking stuff around. <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's just, it's just, I, I picked the bears against the spread and put my, you know, I won't say harder money, but like, you know, put some money on earned the ba- money, yeah, <laughs> money somehow. And under the guys, I said this before the week, I said, I'm doing this based on the fact that I have to, I have to believe that Matt Nagy mm-hmm. is 
a competent human being and offensive coach enough to cater to Justin Fields' strengths, not make him just be the guy who's behind Andy Dalton. And he just didn't do it at all. I think I just thought that he could overcome a bad situation too. Like, but it felt like he was trying to do what he was coached to do and told to do. You know, one of the things that we criticize young quarterbacks who have some sort of rushing ability all the time is that they take off too quickly, that they don't wait for the play to develop. And it almost felt like he was very purposefully trying not to do that. And so I, I just, I I'm just frustrated. I'm, I agree with you that it doesn't seem like Justin Fields was the plan for them. I don't know if that's Nagy and Pace not being on the same page. Maybe Pace is 100% all in on let's build this. I think we'll we'll see in the next few days because frankly, I am of the thought that right now you rip the bandaid off and you fire Matt Nagy and you move forward with somebody who's going to go in this direction. Like we are rowing in this direction. This is the team that we have. Now we got to work with it and you got to throw whatever preconceived notions you have out the window about what you think an offense should look like. Just done. That's not the offense you have. This is what you're dealing with. You have a bad offensive line. You have Justin Fields who can make up for that to a degree coach around that. And at this point, I think what we've learned is that Matt Nagy cannot. So at this point, I just want to see something else. Is it can't or won't, you know, like, is he, you know what I mean? Is he refusing to do it or is he, he simply, doesn't know how those are because those are two different things. One is borderline yeah. willful negligence and the right. other is just ignorance. And I think I'd rather somebody be, I, don't, I mean, I don't want to say stupid, but like, you know, like I'd rather somebody be at least ignorant and just making the mistake rather than being like, I'm just not going to do that. That's not what my offense does because that's even worse than just not knowing. Yep. 1.1 1. 1 yards per play. With it's Justin borderline impossible. The, but the Browns might be good, but I mean, I, I'm not, that's not my takeaway. I think, the, I think the Browns are good. I think, I think the Browns are really good. To do with that. Yeah. Nobody no. forces you into that type of offensive performance. That's like, that's completely on you. I don't care how good the defense is. If you are competent as an offense, you are not putting up numbers. You should have, the Chicago Bears you should have 200 plus yards of garbage time offense. Rega- like yep. somehow in the fourth quarter, when you're down 26 to six. Um, another team that I'm, I'm not, I'm not fired up about, but well, I kind of am fired up about it just because I thought that this was sort of obvious to see coming. I didn't see it coming as, as dramatically as I think it's already playing out, but that's the Steelers. I didn't like their off season. I I thought, and so Mike Tannenbaum said something in the off season last year that I thought it kind of sticks in my head. And I think it's actually spot on that every second that you continue down the road with Ben Roethlisberger is a second that you are not getting better as a football team. He is depreciating at the quarterback position. He's just falling apart and he's not going to get better. And so you need to move on. They needed to move on last off season. They needed to, as awkward as that might be, turn to their future hall of fame quarterback and say like, it's time. They like, kind of tried to, right? They were like, we're not, we're not giving you, like, he's like, you're going to take a pay cut. And then Ben's like, oh, well, no one else wants me. So I, I guess I will take that pay cut. And then came back. By the way, have you seen the video that um, Steven Ruiz, who is now with the ringer, I guess, have you seen the video he did today? No. It's, it's all of Ben's, this is the funniest thing you'll see today. It's all of Ben's throw. It's like more or less all of Ben's throws yesterday, but it's, he somehow ran it through a video filter. So it looks like it's, taking place in like the 1930s wild west and then he has uh <laughs> piano saloon music behind it 
it's, it's like Ben, like he's like this this guy could never make it in the in the NFL in twenty twenty. It's just been like lumbering around and making these terrible throws. It, it is it's sad to watch because he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's probably, I mean, he's he's the greatest quarterback in Steelers history. I don't want to take away from Terry Bradshaw, but Ben's probably the greatest quarterback in Steelers history. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and mm-hmm. it's it's just over. It's it's so it's, over. It's over. Yeah, he looks. He looks someone on the fantasy show that I do on Sundays was saying yesterday on there. He looks like Peyton did in his last yeah, year. That's a good call. The, the difference though, is that Peyton was surrounded by enough things that they could, he could ride off into the sunset hoisting a Super Bowl trophy, you know, like. Is Dwayne Haskins going to be Brock Osweiler where he gets bit or Mason Rudolph will be. Well, that's uh, no, <laughs> <laughs> nope. We just go in a completely different direction. Yeah. Who do you think if they did for whatever reason, like Ben Roethlisberger, either gets hurt and is out of the game or they like, what's their next best option? Would you turn to Mason Rudolph? Would you turn to Dwayne Haskins? Cause we've seen Mason operate this offense and, eh. and we've seen Dwayne somewhere else. And it was very, eh. very so eh. I don't really like either of their options. Um, would you rather see what Dwayne could do with this though? Yeah, I think it, the problem is I believe that, and this is, this is where it gets really fascinating. So Mike Tomlin has never had a losing season. I have to think Mike Tomlin has no interest in getting having a losing season stuck on him now, but does he believe he can win more games with Mason? He, he had, like, can he bench Big Ben? I, I mean, how? I don't how? know. I think at this point you put yourself in this position, and because you didn't, I, I either you didn't like the options that were out there, which is potentially fair. a valid point, but you could you could have gone and got Ryan Fitzpatrick too. He would have been I realized that now in retrospect, that wouldn't have worked out, but there were options there. You might not have liked them, but I think you could have tried to move on um, from Ben Roethlisberger. You made the choice not to have that uncomfortable conversation back then. Right. So now you're going to have an even more uncomfortable conversation with him. I think at this point, you just kind of got to ride it out unless the decisions made for you and he gets hurt. Do you go to Ben and say, listen, man, just can you act like your arm's falling off? That and peck just, is really bothering you, right? I'm just like, yeah, just just put, wrap a brace around yourself and go to these press conferences and pretend like you're hurt. And we'll just we'll say, oh, this is a you know, tough way to go out. But because I don't know that we can watch. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, 13 more. No. 14 more games. Yeah, it's hard ben to Robin. do the math now. It's hard to do the math. I hate the, the math. 17 the math. game season is right. really messy. My brain immediately said 13. And I was like, no, is it 15? And then, no. Yep. Um, ben also, this is sort of underplayed, I think, is that if you look at, so what, two years ago when he got, when he got, when he, got, when he, got, when he had the, the elbow issue, right? Uh huh. The year before he had led the league in passing attempts. And it was like 670, something crazy for a guy his age. And then you have last year, he has, I think, six, is over 600 passing attempts, too many. He's, he has never played a full season after in any year after he had 600 passing attempts. And yesterday he threw the ball 58 times. Because he's not a pliability expert like that guy yeah. down in Florida. That's so. right. Yeah, he's really more of a yingling expert than a pliability expert. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? He's, that's okay. I'm, I'm the same way. Like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not doing, deep yoga stretches at, at 5, p, 5 p.m. in the afternoon. I'm, I'm indulging in my favorite adult beverage, but you can't have been Najee Harris had 19 targets yesterday. They know what is did happening. You, did, you, did you see the throw chart too for him on next gen stats? Oh, it's bad. It's, it's comedy because it's yeah. all. So Najee was, let's see, 19 
they threw to him 19 times, all all within like eight yards. <laughs> he went, he went run vertical wheel routes every time. Was- How about this stat? He had 14 catches for 102 receiving yards. So 102 receiving yards. He had 109 yards after the catch. That, like, is that right? Really? That's what they're doing. Wait, wait, wait. He had 102 receiving yards and 109 yards after the catch? Yep. This, this is not a sustainable offense. It is nope. so easy to get that thing on lock. If you have a bad offensive line and you're just throwing these short little dink and dunkers, and these teams are just going to creep everybody down to the box, spread them out a little bit. And the only way to beat them is if Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool could take you over the top. But Ben doesn't have the arm to go over the top, nor does he have the time, the protection left to, to get to stay in the pocket. He's not mobile anymore. And on top of that, Lindsay, they're no, the, the thing, remember Peyton in 2015 had this, like all-time defense. Well, yeah. It's an Alu-Alu, no. Steven it and TJ Watt, the strength, and Cam Hayward's still there, and he's a stud, obviously. But the strength of the Steelers, and the only thing that was going to keep the Steelers in contention this year was that defensive yep. line. And if they're all hurt, this, yep. this thing is going swerving hard right and making a U-turn back south. Played yesterday I, say, without- is, I guess it's just hurtling south right now. <laughs> poorly conceived metaphor that I'm doing with highly thing. Four of their best front seven guys did not play yesterday. And as a result, perhaps unsurprisingly, they didn't have a sack for the first time in 76 games. We are talking about like historically bad stuff there for them. The Steelers have now gone 10 games without a point in the first quarter. The first freaking quarter. Come out with your plan and your scripted plays and whatever. Like that's not working. They lost back-to-back games for the first time since 2003. Ben Roethlisberger, to your point, 5.6 air yards per attempt. That's insane. That's so low. And he's averaging 2.28 seconds time to throw. So it's like those long plays, they're not even going to have a prayer at developing because he's just got to get the ball out so freaking fast because they're not protecting up front because they also didn't use their draft resources to invest in the offensive line, which was clearly their problem last year with regard to the run game. You look around at all these teams around the league that have kind of average running backs. I mean, James Robinson, not that he's an average running back, but goes undrafted. They put him in the backfield in Jacksonville last year. They give him the ball all the freaking time and he's great, right? Like I'm kind of starting to buy into the dime a dozen running back thing, you know, I mean, an analytics standpoint, I think that there are guys that you can find and plug into a functional offense and let them have success to draft Najee Harris, who is obviously an outstanding talent. I think it's wasted the way that the, the offense is constructed currently with that offensive line. And then to go back and still not get an offensive lineman and go get a tight end who might be a good tight end, but again, you just have no blocking up front. No, it's, it is, um, the, the, the thing about the, the, the running, the, the running back and the viability of, in the analytics have taken it. It's not, and the people, the reason people push back against it, the running backs can be good players. Like, like, you know, uh, you know, Zeke Elliott can be a has been a good player over stretches of his career. Now, mm-hmm. if you're if you're drafting today, you're taking Zeke Elliott or Jalen Ramsey because you can have Jalen Ramsey and then just get Tony Pollard later, and that's a better combination than Zeke Elliott and whatever cornerback you get in the you know, the fifth round. And so it, it, I, I agree. Like I hate you hate to just because Najee Harris is a good player. Yes, but Najee it has Harris nothing to do with Najee the Harris. offensive line. Yep, it's about roster construction. Correct. It's it's about the position it's and an how much value allocation. added in a vacuum, that position can be like, if you have a quarterback, that quarterback can, if not coached by Matt Nagy, make up for deficiencies. (laughs) 
the running back can't for the most part, you know, every once in a while they'll bust a big run or whatever, but it just happens more infrequently. So I think I'm kind of starting to lean towards the analytics argument about running backs, running backs, uh, running back in the first round is a, is something that you need to be dang sure that your roster is in a very good place. It is a luxury. It's a luxury selection, right? hundred percent. It's a, it's a sunroof. Totally. Or maybe sunroof, maybe sunroofs are standard. I drive an old car. Actually, my car is a sunroof. If, if you're the Browns, if you're drafting like the Browns just did last April and they have no holes on the roster and you're just like, I don't know who's the most talented player that falls to us, sure. then you can afford to go best available value of the position. Be damned. It doesn't even matter. Go grab that outstanding running back, put them in your back. Who cares? But if you have massive holes at areas uh, on the team, that you cannot have success unless they're better. And I think the trenches are one of those things. If you have five holes on the offensive line, you can't draft a running back. Like that's, that's a just sl- that's a slight problem. Yeah, that's a slight problem. And it was it, it was weird as the the Steelers have we're looking at it when you know when they took Harris, it was like, okay, they drafted Rashad Mendenhall, I think, in 2013 in the first round. And prior to that, you had to go back to like 1974 or something to find a, a running back that Steelers took in the first round. That's not something they do. They they know what they need to be. They know what they need to do to be good. And it drafting a running back, even if he's the even if he's Emmett yeah. Smith or Barry Sanders, wasn't going to change what their offense was constructed about. It was going to be a short passing, no vertical attack, no protection offense. And it it's it it, it it's it's happening the way that everyone who was concerned about the Steelers thought it might happen. Yep. You know what I saw a crazy stat. Um, on that Thursday night football game. And I can't remember who tweeted it, but I thought it was an interesting point that I hadn't thought of before. Christian McCaffrey would be in the final year of his rookie deal right now. Yep. And I thought, oh my gosh, like these analytics, people are onto something because as much as I want Christian McCaffrey on my team, it's easy to, at this point, now him getting hurt last year and him getting hurt this year, like you're starting to see the wheels kind of fall off. It's a hamstring injury. Even when he comes back in a few weeks, is he still going to be Christian McCaffrey out of the gate or is it going to take a little while? Those soft tissue injuries can linger. And I thought this is the argument for not paying your running back. Here, I, I, have a, I, have a, I have another argument again, and I love Christian McCaffrey. I live in North him. Carolina. Everyone love here loves Christian McCaffrey. Yep. Here's another argument for not drafting Christian McCaffrey. Oh, drafting and, him even. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he went 10th overall. Dave Gettleman, by the way, who take two back-to-back running backs in the first in the top 10 for two mm-hmm. different teams. Very impressive move by him. Uh, not analytically inclined. Had the uh, Panthers, who had Cam Newton at the time, but knew he was dealing with some injuries and getting older, been a little more forward-thinking. They could have just drafted, uh, let's see, let's scroll down. Who's the first? Oh, Patrick Mahomes was the first quarterback taken. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey. Oh, so you could have just drafted Patrick Mahomes and not Christian. And that's the argument. It's like, and then, I mean, obviously Deshaun Watson. But at the time, in 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 all fairness, right? No, like Cam sure. Newton, we thought Cam Newton, they had their guy. For sure. No, I'm not I'm not saying that, because John Breach and I, who's Breach is a big Bengals fan, and the Bengals, Panthers were eight, Bengals were nine, Chiefs traded up to 10. Panthers went McCaffrey, Bengals went John Ross, and then Mahomes goes 10. John Ross. Right. Like, Breach is like, well, we had Andy Dalton. He was playing really well. I was like, that's fine. He still had Andy Dalton. Like, I mean, we <laughs> drafted Patrick Mahomes. I mean, like, we, I, so I agree with it. You know, it's just that I think, again, it's a luxury pick. Mm-hmm. You know, if you have everything in place and you're a possible championship caliber team, you know, Chris, I mean, the, the problem is 
to the contract point, once the running back, it's it's really like it's just it's just dirty the way that this is why people don't like the analytical stuff is what you should be doing is if you draft a running back, you use them for their entire rookie deal. Yep. You franchise tag them once and then you kick them to the curb Bye. and say, see, ya. and that feels awful because it feels awful. They're like, they, I mean, they are people and. Totally. And, and, you know, we're all like, we're all playing fantasy and we're like, you know, like you love the running backs in fantasy. And then we're just like, oh, you gotta, you know, just use this guy, run his, yes. like, wear his body down, and they kick him to the curb. And it's morally, it's not a, it's a good thing, but analytics. <laughs> so, like, I mean, it's just not. You know, I totally like, agree. Yeah. I totally agree. I could actually, you could convince me to take a running back in the first round at the end of the first round when you do have those teams and you get the fifth year option you can plug them in because that's exactly why because financially if you get a christian mccaffrey and you just run the wheels off him for the yeah. first five years and you get him for five years at that rate great and then hopefully you're still good throw him away go draft another guy to step right in and take his place the the one argument i would make on paying a, and like i'm i'm playing to you know, quote Tracy Jordan, I'm playing devil's avocado here with like with myself, but Alvin Kamara, for instance, mm-hmm. is an unbelievable talent. I don't mind the saints paying Alvin Kamara because one, Sean Payton is an offensive genius and knows how to utilize him properly. And two, the other thing that they've done and people complain about this, like, oh, they don't use Kamara enough. It's like, well, they want him yeah. to play you know, 16, 17 games a year. So they have figured out where the sweet spot is. And it's apparently like a hundred and, 60 carries and exactly 83 catches every year. I, I wonder if that's actually part of the thought process. Oh, for sure. I think it is for sure. So if you look at like another team, the Browns are good about this and that's why they wanted Kareem hunt and why they will probably add more running backs. If you go back and look at Kevin Stefanski, when he was with the Vikings, Dalvin cook almost never went over 19 carries. It's like, he would sometimes, you know, you go up to like 23, 24, 25. Um, but if you, and then you look at the Browns, and, 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 and Nick Chubb very rarely, I swear, I think the number is 19. I don't know this for a fact, but almost, mm-hmm. it's almost like 19 is a sweet spot where they believe one, you can space it out over the course of the season from a usage perspective. And two, these guys like, like cook and Chubb tend to be more effective and efficient on less carries. You know, it's not, it's a, the opposite of a Derrick Henry situation where like you just keep feeding him and feeding him, feeding him. And he just, you know, grows stronger and stronger. It's like the more volume you give them, the less efficient they are. And I think that's one of the analytics aspect of it, where that comes in on the usage side. Speaking of Kamara, do you have any idea who the saints are this no, year? I know. I, I literally, I've said, I've said that twice in the last 12 hours already. Like I have no clue. Are they the team that paddled the Packers? Are they the team that got destroyed by the Panthers? Or are they the team that manhandled the Patriots? Like what? I don't yep. know. I have no clue. None. I do think that week two, you can almost throw out because of the coaches and the COVID and like, there's so much weirdness happening and behind the, the scenes. The, and, and the hurricane too. Like they haven't, yeah, they're you know, they've been placed. away so long and they expended so much energy in, in Jacksonville to, to beat the Packers. I think they're probably closer to week one or in week three to your point. Yeah. Oh, but gosh, but so Jameis has well, week, week one. I, I almost throw that one out too, though, because the Packers were so bad that yeah. although credit goes to the saints, that was clearly like Aaron and they were just off and you knew that that wasn't going to continue either. So I also throw that game out 
So I'm throwing all of the Saints games out, um, except for maybe maybe Congrats. yesterday's. Wait, I'll go back and take a look. Cool. And then rookie quarterback in New England that finally yeah. looked like a rookie quarterback. And so you're not going to face. Well, I guess you, you. There are a lot of rookie quarterbacks out there to face this year, and they are all struggling. What do you What do you make of that? We talked about the Bears situation. I think that's a specific situation with Justin Fields, but the rookie quarterbacks after a year where the rookie quarterbacks last year came out, we were like, they're all so ready, and we had all these conversations about like, how are these quarterbacks so ready for the NFL right away? Hit the ground running day one, so impressive, and then this year that has not been the case. Well, uh, conveniently, I just happened to have this tweet up in one of my 372 Chrome windows and I it's talking about efficiency, like just eight, close, close some tabs, monitors. Bro. No, no, no. It's on my laptop. My poor laptop sounds like a, Air, a, a Boeing 747 <laughs> take it off. Is that what makes it sound like that? Is having oh, too yeah, many yeah. tabs open? Too many tabs, too many programs. Yeah, yeah, okay. or, yeah. Or Noted, because I've always wondered that, and mine uh, does uh, that. Like, so close, close the, like, close oh, the programs, Linz. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I had a uh, Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks uh, tweet open, uh, and uh, he it's lots it, lots to unpack with struggling young quarterbacks. This is part of the issue: holding the ball. And next gen stats. I guess this is yeah, courtesy of next gen stats. There have been 91 sacks in the NFL this season that took more than 4.5 seconds from snap to tackle. Zach Wilson leads the league with eight such sacks. Justin Fields has seven on 46 dropbacks. And I think maybe what's happening is it's a combination of pretty good defenses meeting quarterbacks, young rookie quarterbacks who don't have good offensive lines. Yes. Or some junk at them. You know, a guy like Justin Fields doesn't have a ton of starts at Ohio State. And we heard Urban Meyer the other day on the field with Vic Fangio. He's like, man, this is like playing Alabama every week. It's like, yeah, yeah, you don't get to play, uh, you know, you don't get to play uh, Iowa, I guess, I, whoever. Some, you know, whoever North, bad team is. Yeah, bad. No whatever. offense, college football. Well, I was going to say Northwestern, but they're actually good. So, you know, like, <laughs> it's like you don't get to play Vandy every week to, to do the SEC comparison. And no offense to, if you went to Vandy. Um, but at any rate, the... Um, I think that's what's happening is these guys have bad offensive lines in front of them and they're being asked to do too much. And we probably had heightened expectations. You know, we're expecting, and Zach Wilson played at BYU. They didn't play, you know, they didn't play Alabama every week. They didn't play NFL caliber talent every single week. Uh, Justin Fields played a lot of good teams and you know, lit up Clemson in the, in the, in the college football playoff. But, you know, you can scheme up so much stuff in college football to make life easier for the quarterback and, and then you get to the pros and Matt Nagy won't do the same thing. Right. And mm -hmm. so I think, I think that's probably part of it is an unfair disadvantage for the young quarterback with minimal experience. And, you know, the same thing's true in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence flashes big time throws every week, but he makes some, that, that flea flicker pass yesterday was horrendous. And you see a lot of that every week where, ironically it's urban, you know, who's supposed to be the, the guy who's going to scheme up around him. It's just, they're not doing him any favors anywhere. None, none of these guys are being given any favors really. Yeah. I talked about this with Chris Trapasso from CBS sports last week, Traps, uh, their yeah, draft analyst. And he was talking about how he'd watched every snap from Trevor Lawrence and he just looked awful and he was pressing. And I can't help but think that somebody who's in that type of position would press if you're surrounded by stuff that you know is going to break down and not work, like it takes you out of the system of just do your job. Like, yep. you know, you can't do your job. You have to do everyone else's job. And then you can't do your job well because you're thinking about too much stuff and you're not at a point in your career where you can actually unpack that all in your brain. But 
Jags, no line. Jets, no, no line. line. They missed McCarthy so bad. Oh, the yeah. And boy, he wasn't in good shape when he when he wasn't. He didn't do Zach Wilson any favors when he showed up to camp either. He was not or to the. I mean, I am not not shaming anybody for being out of shape when football season starts because I'm not in shape either. But you know, I, I, I it's your job. Talk. Stiff, I don't right? have to. I don't have to block. You know, no one. No one's weighing you in before. You yeah, do the I'm like I, I just have to, I just have to look okay from like from like shoulders up. Like like it doesn't are matter. You, what I'm like. Are you strong enough to push the mic away from your face when <laughs> the show correct. is That's over? Correct. Correct. Um, we had um. It yeah. was oh, my my brother-in-law was in town. Um, the uh this weekend for the for the NC State Clemson game, Bear Wolfpack, and uh and um I had to like they got a, I had to, I was doing some work I was doing like a show up here on Friday I was doing an Adam Shine show on CBS Sports Network and I come downstairs he's like are you are you wearing a a button down in Patagonia shorts I'm like yes that is called business casual in the fall in the Brinson household that is I mean that's just you know like like I don't have to show up and, and be and look good in a full uniform like Makai Becton that's the you know that's the beauty of it um you understand yeah, the, your the, assignment. Bears bad offensive line. Yeah. Jets, 13 bad offensive pressures. Line. 13 pressures they gave up as a whole. Can't do it. Um, obviously had no idea what to do with Miles Garrett. That's not fun for a rookie quarterback. The Patriots did not have good protection yesterday. Justin nope. Heron charged with seven pressures allowed nope. alone. I think I'm becoming an O-line tr- truther. I think like I know nothing about O-line play. I'm not going to stand here and say like, Man, when I watch the tape, I can tell, you know, right. who lost that one-on-one I leave battle. That to, I leave that to the Schwartz brothers and Ross Tucker. <laughs> totally. You know, like like yes. the guys who played it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm the same way, but yes, I agree. Look at the Browns. They have a great offensive line. They yep. built around the offensive line in the run game. Not saying that you have to, but but they're not, they're not like, we're going to run, run, pass. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they have an analytical coach who's smart, who uses play action a lot, who gets Baker on the move, who gets, and Baker's you know, on that list of most sacked guys in terms of holding the ball, but you know, they, they can run the ball effectively and they have protection for their youngish quarterback. It's, it is all about taking these quarterbacks in. This is so true with Mahomes too. Like Patrick Mahomes doesn't become Patrick Mahomes if he's drafted by the jets. I don't think not, not right away. I think he no, eventually, God, no, uh-uh. right. No, I totally, I, I fully believe that the circumstances are yes. so important for quarterbacks. And, or, there are some quarterbacks that are so talented that they will overcome to a degree. Sure. But I don't think he becomes Patrick Mahomes in that organization. Right. Not at all. So like the other example, the, or the other two examples I think are, so Josh Allen, the Bills, Brandon Bean oh. and Sean McDermott carefully cultivated this offensive line that played together for years. They yeah. started bringing in weapons around them. They built up the defense. And when they were ready, they grabbed the quarterback and dropped him in. Yes. Allowed yes. him to grow yes. in that way. You know, like well, you can't just take a bunch of, can't take a, like a, a bag of seeds out to a desert, dump it down there and be like, all right, I'll see you in a couple of like weeks, you know, with plants and stuff. It's, it's not how that works. You know, you have to, the garden, ha- you know, you have to grow the garden in a certain way. And like, I look back at Andrew Luck and the Colts. He yep. was that talent that was asked to do everything mm-hmm. without the pieces around him in necessary fashion. And it, it literally broken, you know, this, like that's, this that's is, this is my love language. Will this, this kind of talk right here. Yeah, for, um, yeah, garden I'm, metaphors. I have a big I'm, I'm, no, not the garden, <laughs> the, the dropping in the quarterback at the last minute, a hundred percent. I could not agree with you more. It's why like the lions shouldn't even have thought about taking a quarterback in last year's Agreed. draft. You yeah. got to build like, 
Penny Sewell perfect. Like build those important positions that are going to be there for a long time and protect the quarterback. It's the Russell Wilson approach. It's the Seattle yes. Seahawks approach, which I don't even know if they did on purpose because they went and got Matt Flynn, right? Like they thought they paid him a ton of money. They thought he was going to be their quarterback. And then here's Russell Wilson in the third round, kind of an afterthought. If they thought he was going to be Russell Wilson, they would have taken him earlier. At least in the second, right? Right. But it's the perfect way to build a team. I well, you, you allow the quarterback to mature at a, like, like the Jets are like, Sam Darnold sucks. You don't know that. No, a hundred. Nothing around Sam Darnold. And, and no offense to Adam Gase, who, you know, he's. No, a, kind of offense to Adam okay. Gase. Okay, yes. Okay. So a lot of offense to Adam Gase. But like, yeah. this has happened a lot. And he's a punching bag on Twitter. I get it. But Sam Darnold went to a team that has, you know, tried to prepare an ecosystem for the quarterback to thrive in, in Carolina with Joe Brady and questionable offensive line, but a system where, like Joe Brady, if you watch Darnold this year, Joe Brady, and this happened on you know, it was happening on Thursday, happening against the Saints. It's hey Sam, look, here's one read. Look, and if it's not there, just keep moving. Don't mm -hmm. don't linger on it. Read number two. If it's not there, keep moving. Read number three. Hey, guess what, buddy? It's Christian McCaffrey in a short yardage pass. And that and you could see Sam Darnold's confidence growing and his his like he was, you know, he missed Robbie Anderson running a, a seam route. In, in the first half against the Texans where he probably should have pulled the trigger, but the system was built in a way to just let him get through it quickly. Not worry about holding the ball and feeling pressure. And then once McCaffrey got hurt, you could see, you know, now we're going back. We're propping up McCaffrey, I guess, but, but after tearing him down, right, exactly. Right? I, I can hear the people listening to this yelling at us, but yeah, it's like, what do you, what is this idiot talking about? What do you want us to do? <laughs> I, well, it's, it's, a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a paradox, but yeah, I mean, I think they prepared a system for a younger quarterback like a Darnold to come in and to improve and to thrive. Whereas the jets were just like, Hey man, if you could go out and, you know, figure something out, that'd be great. You know, this that's, that's said, their O-line still has some issues for sure. For sure. For sure. And the other thing too is McCaffrey's pass pro is like, I, I would be Darnold got a lot more pressured once McCaffrey was out and maybe they're just shook up by the injury, but Chuba Hubbard, not a huge, I, I thought he was great. Loved him in college, but he's not exactly a, you know, a, you know, he's not MJD back there steamrolling dudes when they get in the pocket. Did the chargers build this team in the way that we would like? I, what's weird about the chargers is that they actually have some of the pieces on the defensive side of the ball that just got hurt. You know, like they, they had Derwin James, but they didn't have Derwin James. I feel yeah. like they're one of those teams that's been snake bit. And so we almost forget about a lot of the guys that they actually do have on the roster that they've constructed in this way to be a good team, but they just don't have access to them at all times. Yes. They're constantly hurt. It's it is weird. I, I have a theory that the, to the Washington football team before Ron Rivera took over and the chargers, if you go and look at football outsiders adjusted games lost, which is, you know, because in theory injuries are lucky in football or unlucky in football. And eventually right. everybody's going to regress to the mean a little bit. You're going to come back to the middle of the pack. But for years, the Chargers and the Washington football team were always the most injured players. I just wonder if there's something in how they do, how they handle things. You know, it's like Derwin James, Joey Bosa, you know, constantly hurt. Um, you know, Philip Rivers didn't miss any games. But, but to, your, to your question about the building around him, yeah. I mean, I think they go out and they use their first round pick on Rashawn Slater, mm -hmm. you know, a year after drafting Justin Herbert in the first round. You can't get that. You know, you get a franchise, like franchise left tackle for your young quarterback. 
And then you go out and you sign Corey Lindsley, a veteran center who's worked with Aaron Rodgers, who has a similar playing style to Justin Herbert. You know, they I, I look at them as stylistically similar in terms of their athleticism. You know, and and you know, they have more work to do on the offensive line, but you have Austin Eckler. You have Keenan Allen. You have Mike Williams. Jalen Guyton, I think, is a, like a, a sneaky great player. And then you get Josh Palmer in the third round. They clearly are in that you. If you don't already build the ecosystem, you need to invest in the ecosystem around the quarterback rather than draft the quarterback and take eight defensive players later. You know. Yeah. And it's a living, breathing thing. Like you're constantly yeah. going to need to be refreshing those things, like going and getting Rashawn after they got Justin Herbert. But. um, I, I will say this about that offense, because I think that the Chargers are the team that I've fallen in love with this season that I did not expect to fall in love with. Same. Like, yeah. I did not talk about them in the offseason. They were there. And some people were like, oh, they're my sneaky Super Bowl pick. And I was like, yeah, OK, I, I agree with that. I don't dislike them. They just not that I like I'm not drawn to them. And then there have just been some plays that I've seen from Justin Herbert. That I'm like, I freaking love this quarterback. I, I love him. I was so wrong about Justin Herbert coming out of college. And, but I mean, so the, I, I didn't, I didn't think he'd be, I didn't think he would be good right away. And he's, mm -hmm. he's just a different player than he was at Oregon. And I don't know if that's the offense they ran at Oregon, which was not catered to Justin Herbert's skill set. Um, but he, you know, he's done, he's done this now under two different coaching staffs with Anthony Lynn and now with Brandon Staley. And he's just, he's just awesome. It, I, I don't like to admit I was wrong two years into a player's career. I'm a dead wrong. He's fun to watch. I broken up with the Chargers after they cut Philip Rivers, or they, they let Philip Rivers leave because you know, you know, NC State guy. And uh, and now I'm, I mean, like I'm, I'm, you know, like I'm back. Like I, I want to be back on the Chargers bandwagon. It's 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 probably a, it's probably a yeah. I should probably seek help. But I mean, will you, you have know. me, Chargers fans? I'm ready yeah. to come back. That said, though, and this was a massive win for the Chargers Huge to win. get that dub against the Chiefs, and because the Chargers are that team that always finds ways to lose, um, and. But the thing that concerns me is that they, they even found those ways yesterday. Oh, yeah. So watching that last drive where they ended up taking the lead, they did about eight bad things and two good things. And somehow they still managed the touchdown. They had a second and four. They were already in field goal range, tie ball game, two incompletions. So now we've got a fourth and four with 48 seconds left. They could kick, but they go for it. I love that call, right? But of all the Chargers like things that could have happened in that moment, they false freaking start Sean Slater, who we all love, but false start on fourth and four. Can't so now, you, now you've got a fourth and nine. You're backed up to the 35 you're throwing. Obviously it's incomplete. DPI completely bailed out completely from their own out. ineptitude here. And then two plays later, touchdown, of course, extra point. No good. You could argue that they should have run the clock down once they were goal to goal instead of scoring right away and then kicked a field goal. So Mahomes didn't have time for a comeback, but still it's like, we're all celebrating and I'm over here completely cheering for the chargers for some reason. I don't know why I have no like, draw to them i'm not a chargers fan there's, there's no a david david goliath factor yes, there maybe that's it. and also yeah. just wanting like without a bias without a dog in this race or whatever that saying is i i just am like get this monkey off your back just freaking get the win you know like you're right there just do it and so i was fully invested in them on this drive and that false start nearly sent me through the roof <laughs> and i it's like you just are like how does this stuff happen to them all the time? How do they shoot themselves in the foot so consistently? Well, and that's why, so it's weird. I thought that it was, 
crazy. I thought Kyle, Greg Rosenthal correctly pointed this out in the moment, but it was like uh, Kyle Shanahan ran that play, the final play against the Packers with 12 seconds left on the play clock. You don't want to do that against Aaron Rodgers. Now, you also don't want to do that against Patrick Mahomes. But the difference is, and Brandon Staley talked about this after the game. He said there was a lot of crosswind in there. He didn't feel comfortable with the kickers and the punters. They were having trouble with the trouble with the snaps. Um, and you're the Chargers. You need to give yourself as many chances to score that touchdown as humanly possible. I know that's kind of talking out of both sides of my mouth, but the Chargers have screwed up so many games in so many like horrific and backbreaking and soul crushing ways that mm-hmm. just, just go get the, go get the touchdown and then figure it out later. And Mahomes could kill you, of course, but there's yeah. not much time left. Uh, one thing that the chargers are doing really well, that is kind of flying under the radar. You go look at next gen stats and just go to like Mike Williams uh, player charts. They are using his average depth of target is I think it's like cut in half. They were, they were basically only running him on vertical routes last year and throwing jump balls, and he has to you know, go up and sky, and he lands hard, he gets hurt. And now they're actually using him like a viable number one wide receiver. And so it, it makes the offense, when you have Keenan Allen and, and Mike Williams on, on each side, it makes it way more, it makes it less predictable, right? It's not mm-hmm. Keenan Allen running a slant or running a short route and cutting somebody off and Mike Williams streaking up the side while Eckler yeah. comes out on a swing pass. It's, it's you know, Justin Herbert is going to have options at different levels of the field on both sides of the ball. Well, and you're going to have a higher percentage plays going yeah. to Mike Williams. Like if you're yeah. just shooting your shot to him every time, then what are the odds? The efficiency that- numbers are, through, yeah, they're like, yeah, it's a floor efficiency. He's He's a guy that, I think a lot of people want to sell high on in fantasy. I would, I would buy high on Mike Williams. I just think he's going to be awesome all year long. Just knock on wood that like healthy, please don't, don't yeah. walk under any ladders. <laughs> buy, don't, don't, don't stay, buy a black cat. Like, don't, don't just stay away from all of those things. <laughs> like whatever superstitions that don't are so stupid. Don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> hey, are the Vikings good? What do you make of that win? Because I thought through one and a half games of the year that the Seahawks were the best team in the NFL. And mm. then somehow the Titans won that game. And I was like, how did, how did that happen? Cause the Seahawks just looked incredible in week they one. Had a, they had a double digit lead in the fourth quarter. And, and, and then the Titans came back by running the ball. It was yeah. weird. It's like how so does that weird. And then the Seahawks, I mean, I, I don't, I didn't realize this until we recorded our podcast last night. Um, and John breach pointed out. The Seahawks didn't score a single point in the second half. That's like, against it, the Vikings. Yeah, not what they they were up seventeen, right? Like it, it, they were up seventeen to seven in the second quarter, and they didn't score again. They allowed twenty three straight points and didn't score. Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf, Chris Carson against an okay Vikings defense. Well, Lockett got hurt. Lockett did get hurt, but but I mean they all right, their second half. So their drives, they miss a field goal in the second quarter. They go touchdown, field goal, touchdown. Then they go miss field goal, end of half, punt, punt, turnover on downs, end of game. It's really bizarre. And I mean, the the problem for them is their defense isn't good enough anymore to, to bank on we can score 21 points and stop somebody. They need to just put the, put Russ's foot on the gas and just start, winging it around and I, I need to go back and look at the, watch the second half again I mean, the Vikings only kicked field goals and maybe maybe they just slowed the clock down and just ate you know it just chewed it up but I, what it, that is bizarre to have these two sort of second half collapses by the Seahawks in back-to-back weeks so 
18 rush attempts and 32 pass attempts. They kind of did. I mean, they're, they're kind of like, that's not the balanced offense that Pete Carroll is, no. is looking for. So it's not like in that game yesterday, they were forcing the run. No. And they weren't, I mean, they just, it was almost like they, the Vikings played a game of keep away in the second half and the Seahawks didn't capitalize on their, you know, they went, I mean, yeah. Opening, opening second half possession. They got one possession in the third quarter and it was five plays, seven yards and somehow two minutes and 46 seconds. That's just, you know, it's uninspiring. And the Vikings had a eight minute and 26 second, you know, 16 play 50 yard, oh, gross, 16 play 50 yard drive that. Oh yeah, gosh. That's, that's, that's horrendous. So wow. yeah, basically, basically they, they, they Pete Carroll, Pete Carroll, or they Mike yeah. Zimmer, Pete Carroll. And that, I, I, I mean, it's just, it, it, it's a red flag for the, for the Seahawks that they had these two back-to-back very bad second halves. The thing that I think is crazy about the Vikings yesterday, which Mike Zimmer called that their best offensive performance that he'd seen in the eight years that he's been in Minnesota. Um, They have such a consolidated passing attack, like very late in the game. They had only attempted passes to four different people. And one of those is Madison, right? Yeah. So they've got Jefferson, they've got Thielen, they're using Conklin. And that was it till very late in the game. And then they finally got KJ Osborne, who of course I had just picked up on a bunch of fantasy yeah. leagues thinking I like, oh, I best. like what I'm seeing here. He's the new Irv Smith. And it's like, they're splitting the targets in thirds. Nope, not today, Lindsay. Uh, I'm sorry <laughs> for everybody else. Sorry for everybody else who picked up KJ Osborne because that's why it stopped is because I picked him up. But well, anyway. No, no, but they, when Irv Smith got hurt, the Vikings went from, they went basically went to three wide receiver sets yep. instead of using a tight end out there. And then they're like, JK, here comes Tyler. Con- it's Tyler Conklin day and nobody's <laughs> playing him. Like, of course. Just Thank kidding. You, yeah. Um, I, you know, they have a really good, their offensive line is good. Run blocking is not great pass blocking. Mm-hmm. I think they can win against a team like Seattle that sort of lacks that punch on defense. Okay. A, a good front can get the Vikings, but you're right. I mean, they're going to, you know, they're, they concentrate their targets on, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins just continues to bang out these like, like he, he's like the he's, he's a fantasy monster for three weeks, three years in a row. Yeah. And but he nobody, nobody really of, wants him. He was at the end of last year, too. Yeah. And then the so, Vax, like nobody wants Cousins on their no. team. And yet he's like, he's just, it's just like a QB5 every week somehow. And, um, I, so I don't know if the Vikings are good. They feel better than one and two, but I still think there's a pretty sizable gap between Green Bay and Minnesota. I agree. I agree. Were you of the mind that we needed to be concerned about the Packers after week one or? Uh, sort of a wait, uh, cautious pessimism. <laughs> I don't even know if that's a thing, but I mean, I was definitely wait and see only because they had the Lions at home on Monday night. Now, after that game, I still was worried about the, the defense. And so that first half of the first half against San Francisco, and Rodgers talked about it. He said they had a ton of energy before the game. You could feel it. You know, he's, he said they, we didn't have it in Jacksonville. And the defense played really well against a good San Francisco offense in the first half. So that uh, alleviates those. The last two weeks alleviate a lot of my concerns about Green Bay. I think just because of the way that that division is set up, the Bears look terrible. The Lions are uh, the Lions are the official 2021 bless their hearts team. You know, <laughs> like they're trying really, really hard and it's just not working out for them. 
And so the Packers are probably going to get to 13, 14 wins. And I mean, yes, it's Southern say, bless her. I'm enjoying the bless their heart though. I, I actually think you hit the nail on the head. Cause I find myself rooting for them. Like oh, yeah. they're not going to win games. I'm hundred percent conceding that like, this isn't going anywhere this year, Yeah. but I kind of like what they're building from a culture standpoint. I like what I'm seeing aside from the fact that they just don't have a talented roster. But like, if you're, if you're going to suck, so like I saw, um, yeah, if you're going to suck, like at least, at least, you know, at least try hard, you know, like if you're going to be Go a terrible, on fourth down. here's where they won me over. Well, here's where Dan Campbell won me over is in week one. He was going for it on fourth downs in the first quarter. Like, and I'm like, yes, that is what you do when you are that team. Like, you know who you are. You read the room. You look at your team and you go, you go get it. I believe in you. Like that's, that's what yeah. you do. The you same know? thing. It's, it's sort of like with the Texans where it's this kind of like mishmash, this, uh, you know, cornucopia of questionable veteran talent, but they're trying yes. hard for their first year coach who, you know, clearly is, this is, this is probably your one shot, right. At the head coach, the full-time head coaching job, if you're Dan Campbell or David Cully, and you got to make the most out of it, you know, I mean, squeeze a lemon as hard as you can and just get as much lemonade out of there as you possibly can. Because if you do that, then maybe you get another shot down the road because these teams try hard for you. But yeah, I think, I mean, to, to the point about the Viking, I mean, the, the Packers, they're just, they're going to, they're going to win a bunch of games. They're going to win the division. They're probably going to end up in the NFC championship game, or they're going to be in a playoff game against San Francisco, the Rams or the Bucks. And it's, can they, can they go for it on fourth down near the goal line or will that, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it, it just feels like we're hurtling towards that moment. And that will probably and effectively decide where Aaron Rodgers plays in 2022. I'm I mean, so sad for Packers fans. I understand, but but if they win, but if they if they go to the Super Bowl, maybe he comes back. I don't know. He no, I don't think he will. I don't think he will to spite them. Even if that was the best option out there, I don't think that he would do that. I think he'd be like, as a nope, fan, we're done. I'm I, like I totally get it. I love spite, and spite is good. And it's, you know, <laughs> like I'm you know, I spite your enemies, buddy. They go for it. But he's clearly like takes this very personal. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know. I don't even disagree that he should like no. I, I'm, you know, and I, I'm not the biggest fan of his mannerisms. Sometimes I think that he's a little bit like it, that, that line between confidence and cockiness. Like, yeah. I think he kind of crosses that a yes. little bit where it comes, becomes condescending almost <laughs> in terms of like the way that he talks to people and stuff. So I'm not necessarily the biggest Aaron Rodgers person fan. I like, I, I want him to be nicer. I want him to care right, about right, the right, people right. he's talking to that. He does I want him to be that guy who's like really nice to the waitress. You know what I mean? But I'm not sure that he is. And, but I love him as a football player. See, I, feel like he, I feel like he's, I feel like he's nice to the waitress. But it's okay, like, and la- but like if all right, if I'm trying to think of, uh, so Rogers goes into Whole Foods or wherever, right? And he's you know he's buying some wine, and the cashier's like, "I'm going to need your Gosh. CID, sir." And he's like, "One, I'm Aaron Rodgers, right? Like you know, like everyone knows how old I am. Two, I'm not. I'm clearly not 20, okay? Like, and, and the guy's like, "I'm sorry, sir. I'm going to need to see your ID." And he finds like. He's he's gonna be spiteful to anybody who like crosses him. You know, he's not gonna be like like an unintentionally mean to like random waitress at the at the at the restaurant. If that makes sense. Well, okay, I could be wrong. No, that's possible. That's possible. I'm trying to think of. So, I just think from, that whole like, from a media standpoint, I think th- there are some situations where media people fit that 
description. Like they're the person that's just doing their job. And sometimes I understand how you could see it as like that person's a D because they have an opinion. They have no reason to have an opinion and whatever. But I think that he does, he does that mean he holds that power over in I would, that, I would in agree. that dynamic. Okay. Yes. In that, if, if the media person asking a question, who's just like, just trying to get a question out and right. yes, they, that is the waitress factor there. Like, I don't think he's actually mean to waitresses, but you're right. He's like, he un- unnecessarily snarky and a-holy to somebody who might just be asking like a question, but then he I'm, also has- I'm trying to, I'm trying to not tell this specific story, but there was a specific story where a colleague of mine did uh, an interview with him and was doing that like before you actually start the interview and they're testing out all the technical stuff and whatever. And you're making small talk just to try and like, yeah. you know, you've got dead you time, right? there in silence and just be awkward, right? Totally. And yeah. so they said something to Aaron that I won't repeat, but like, you know, they're just like, Hey, here's something that I think is nice or like that. We, we know the same person or whatever. Yeah. And he went out of his way to make it uncomfortable. Like he didn't oh. take that. Like, I think people, people who care about making someone else feel comfortable in that moment. I think that that's a big thing for me. Even if the thing that the other person just said was stupid, you're like, Oh yeah, I do know. So-and-so as opposed to like saying like, well, that must've been nice for you. And then just letting that dead space linger there and feeling comfortable in that environment. I don't like that. And I, I, like that moment to me, I was like, I see that now in so many different ways. That frames the way I see everything he does in terms of these interview situations and whatever. It just feels like a power struggle. And I don't love somebody, that. Somebody hits you with the mutual friend thing. Yeah. Even if it's like, you're like, not sure. You just have to fake it. Like you just be like, oh, yes. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, like, well, we all fake so much. Like yeah, I don't, yeah. there's so many like little conversations that you end up having through the day that I'm not actually interested in, but you put a right. smile on your face and you do the whole, like, I'm going to give you this moment or like, not, not that sounds condescending, not like that, but like, I'm going <laughs> right. to allow this to be a pleasant experience. You know what just, I mean? Like I would go out of the, my yeah, way yeah. to make it awkward. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's, weird. It, yes, exactly. It's all right. That, okay. That is a very. Con- it was very concrete and specific. And it's a good example though. Of like at that point, now you're like, Oh my God, this interview is going to be a disaster. Yes. And he's, you know, he's like, now he's just like glaring at you. Like, all right, you got to do, yes. do we know anybody else? Have any other friends in common you want to tell me about? It's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Totally. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was offensive for you. I, I apologize. I just want to ask you about, uh, yeah, you're passing. Game. I did that. I did that with, uh, with Wes Welker one time when I was interviewing him. Um, it's like 10 years ago. But I was like, I was like, we actually have a uh, a mutual uh, friend of comedy. He gave me this look, like, oh, this old chestnut, like, really? You, you, we know somebody, and I was like, yeah, you know my boy Wick Brennan. He goes, oh man, <laughs> like, because he, he was, they went to Texas Tech together. Wick kicked on the on the team when they were there, and so he was actually like, actually enthused at the you know at the the conversation. But, but like the look that he gave me when I asked him about it was like the same look I imagine Rogers gave. Right. It's just like. Why are you saying this to me? You're saying you better. Yeah, I hope, I hope this, this better I hope be this good. Man, like you're not going to say like Randy Moss, are you? You know, like, you know, like, 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 you know, we have a mutual friend, Tom Brady. You know, Tom Brady. He's like, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> get out of here, you know? Oh, God. Okay. Well, last thing. Uh, the undefeated teams are somewhat surprising at this point in time. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders, the Denver Broncos, those are the lone undefeateds in the AFC <laughs> because, of course. Right? Uh, the Los Angeles Rams, the Carolina Panthers, and the Arizona Cardinals. Um, and I would say of those teams, the only one that we thought would possibly 
be undefeated and or good this year was going to be the Los Angeles Rams. Correct. So of the other ones, which one do you believe in the most? Raiders, Broncos, Cardinals, Panthers. Okay. So I like to use the process of, I like to work backwards on stuff like this. Okay. Um, yes. I believe in the Broncos as a, the way they're constructed their roster with that defense. I'm a little worried about the injuries up front, Chubb, mm-hmm. um, like Josie Jewell at linebacker is already hurt too. That's a concern for me. The other concern, they beaten the Jets, yeah. Jaguars, and um, Giants, who are? Oh, and nine? Yeah. 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 So they have no wins against anybody else. That's, that's a concern for me. But, you know, you stack your wins early. You stack your wins in the season and, and try and get there. Um, the... <laughs> I don't, I don't want to talk about the Raiders anymore. Like the, I mean, uh, you're, I mean, you're probably friends with the car, like the cars yes. because they, Do they, they hate you blocked me for so are you blocked? I blocked my, <laughs> I blocked my all three of them, Derek, <laughs> Derek, David and Darren. What did you uh, do? What did you say? I think I, I, I think David got mad at me when I tweeted out a, a clip of Derek clock, like uh, throwing a ball in the dirt on fourth down on the screen. And, and, anyway. And, um, but but Derek Carr is playing really good football right now. Yeah. So I think I, I, I and John Gruden for all of his faults as a roster or a, a roster constructor and buddy they are they are there. He, he's a really good play caller and a good offensive coach. And if that defense is anything close to what it's kind of shown, and Max Crosby is going to be a like like I can I can buy into that team. We've seen it beat the Chiefs. I know they can hang with the Chargers. I mean, they can win that division. Now, the, I, I'm still skeptical of the of the defense, and I want to see like Henry Ruggs is coming on strong. So I, I a little skeptical. But two weeks in a row. Two weeks in a row. Because after that first one, I was like, okay, hold, hold, just yeah. pause. Don't get excited. Right. No, but we've now, seen too many times, and he hasn't done it. But then two games in a row. Now I'm kind of feeling a little bit excited. And he's <laughs> in different ways too. Like yesterday, he had that a really great sideline toe tapper. Where you know it's not this just vertical nine route, and he's you know getting underneath it because he's really fast. Like he's he's so I'm cautiously optimistic about the Raiders, the Panthers. I am I think the Panthers are similar to the Broncos. They have a good defense that's taking a leap before we really thought it would, and it's mm-hmm. it'll be real good next year if everybody's healthy. They have Sam Darnold, who's an upgrade over ironically Teddy Bridgewater, since I'm comparing them to the Broncos. Right? They have DJ Moore. Right? They have they have a lot of pieces there. Mm-hmm. I just think the division's probably too tough with the Saints, and they they haven't really they've got a very friendly schedule to start. We'll know a lot about them after Dallas next week, and then Arizona. I think Arizona's the team I believe in the most out of all okay. the undefeated teams because, because Kyler. Kyler. Well, we did this. This is it's like the post hype thing. Last year, everybody expected Kyler to make the MVP leap because. Lamar, Patrick Mahomes did it two years before and Lamar did it the year before. So we we're like, well, we need to find this young, like modern style quarterback who runs around a lot. Who's going to just take a big leap forward. And Kyler started to do it, but then he hurt his shoulder. And this year he has actually maybe taken that leap forward in his third year. I'm a, still a little skeptical of Kingsbury as a, yes. as an in game, mm-hmm. like uh, somebody pointed out recently, if he was less handsome, he'd probably get a lot more criticism, right? Like with a worse pad, right? Exactly. Yeah. If he lived in the, if he lived in some, you know, some like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like he had 
you know, he had like built-ins and like like food dogs or this <laughs> <laughs> one down in my living room. Um, ours is not from me. My wife does a great job checking it out. But my point being is like if it was like if he was like if he was like in you know spectacles and 50 years old and had a you know beer belly and was sitting on like a a, a plaid couch with you know like you know books and stuff behind him, nobody's gonna be like, you know, everybody's like, eh, are we sure we like this guy? You know, like like, like his handsomeness is elevating his his status. Well, like um, that style of offense is sexy, right? Yeah, yeah. They're like, so, oh, like, King's married here. It's like, well, he's not really doing anything different. Like, he's just kind of it's running. All branding. It's all yeah, branding. Yeah, exactly. So, I think they all have question marks. I would probably go Arizona. Sorry, go Arizona one, Las Vegas two, mm-hmm. Carolina three, Denver, Carolina tied tied for three. I think I'm with you. I like I like the Cardinals, but. I feel like there are going to be moments where Cliff is going to do things that I go, what? And I mean, do, you, do you remember last year when the hail, like the hail Murray, I mean, obviously everybody remembers the hail Murray, but yeah. the plays leading up to it, the what? <laughs> you know, huh? Wait, did they throw a hail? Mary? But the, the, like the couple of plays leading up to it, they were throwing these Kyler was Kyler burned like five seconds running around and then threw this short out to Larry Fitzgerald to, to set up the hail Mary. And it's like, you that's, what are you doing? Rondell Moore taking Larry Fitzgerald snaps. Larry Fitzgerald is obviously a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think that helps the offense a ton. It just made him faster. Christian Kirk's actually turning it. You know, Hopkins has allowed him to sort of, and Rondell Moore and AJ Green have allowed Christian Kirk to sort of be what he needs to be, which is that speedster who's the third option, not the true number two. And so I think they got enough there. Chandler Jones, if the defense stays healthy, it, the, the, the division there is tough too, but I guess it's tough for the Raiders as well. Yeah, Raiders mind-blowing stats. Derek Carr is the NFL's passing leader in yards. He's in elite. yards. He's this an elite guy, quarterback. Yeah, oh, stop it, Will. <laughs> um, but after all those years of the whole ADOT thing, right? Like, remember, that was the thing that the cars hated, too. And I would go in and I would talk that, that to Derek. Maybe, and I'm like, well, that- but, you know, ADOT, there is you know, there's some validity to like, it tells a story, right? It doesn't say your brother sucks, but it tells a story about the offense. Like there's something to that. So you kind of have to like tiptoe around those. Sorts I, of things. I also would say too, that like, if my brother was an NFL quarterback, I don't know that I would have a Twitter search for him open all the time, but I would definitely, <laughs> I would definitely defend him. I would definitely defend him against people who were, you know, erroneously going after him. And I mean, again, like d- People, people change, but so do players in their course of their careers. Yeah, and yeah. Derek Carr has become more aggressive and more vertical in the way that he throws and the way that he attacks. And he's, he's more comfortable in John Gruden's offense. Now, do I believe? Oh, no, I know what it is that made him mad. Okay, what? I said that at the end of his, I said that the Raiders would move on before the end of his contract because of the way the contract was structured and because John Gruden is generally you know, very fickle and likes to move on quickly from people. And uh, it hadn't worked out. You know, he's kept him through the end of his contract. And that was it? I mean, I'm sure there's more stuff. I, it's nothing like personal or mean. There's football analysis. I mean, you did have two different examples come to mind as that things that it could have been. So there's that. Yeah. I, I'm actually going to talk to Derek for the podcast on, no, not Derek. I'm going to talk to David. I do this. This is, it's a good thing that we're not working together anymore because I did this to David every time that I talked to him on air, like couldn't get their names right. David, Derek, right, right, David. Right, 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 right. and then they have a brother named Darren. So that's in the mix also. Yeah. Right. But I'm going to ask him if, if he or his brother, Darren have an alert on their phone. I want them. I want them has to. Or like a Twitter search. Find people. Yeah, I mean, like, because you do that easily. 
you just you know you just you create a new although that would be weird to have like a like i don't think like david carr has on does he does he use i mean you worked with does he use twitter on the computer or is he, is he on no a phone? no it's just on his phone well yeah. i don't know that i've ever seen him on a computer yeah i was about to say i don't know if i've ever seen him on a computer either which is not to say he does not use a computer, no, of course but just, just you know, it's a former studio, he's just on his phone. Athlete. He just doesn't, yeah, he's not. He has people who use that computer for you. I've never seen, him. like, I work with Brady Quinn all the time. I don't think I've ever seen Brady on a laptop. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever seen an analyst on a laptop. I don't, me either. That's just not how they do their gig for the most yeah. part. Like, like, I've, I don't, like, if you're seeing like Willie McGinnis on a laptop. I can't conjure up an image of him on a laptop, but I, I do like, know like looking around for pictures of athletes. I, I know I, Tim Rome's got a laptop, but like, yeah, I don't, I don't. Uh, I'm, but they're watching tape, and sure. so I don't know if that's. But I have actually seen what I have seen is Willie go to a like a um, like a monitor setup where someone has queued up like these are the plays or something oh, like yeah, that, for and sure, then but, look at that kind of stuff. But I don't know that that's the same as I'm trying to know. I'm trying to picture them with like a little computer bag. Yeah. And I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Which is not to say that they're not all working incredibly hard. Will just no, 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 no. They're, yeah, they're grinding tape. They're working hard. They're doing a great job. I just, I think as in like, you don't take a, you know, a quarterback doesn't take a laptop to the team facility. Like Tom Brady's not walking around with a laptop. Shouldn't bag. he though? Like how, or how else is he watching this? I mean, I guess, I guess you have your, clicker and all that kind I think, of stuff. I think, yeah, I think these else. guys have the like what do they watch? Uh, now, uh, now I need to see I need to I'm gonna be hawking NFL network and ESPN and CBS. Like I'm be I'll be hawking for the next week trying to see if I can find a like like Adam Ray's got a laptop, right? But you know like you know but like with Dan Haley Dan would never have it when you guys were doing total access like Dan wouldn't have a laptop right you guys were always walking around though right yeah we had laptops at the desk if we were yeah. at a place. Well, it would but, then, on, you would, but then that's the thing on camera. A lot of directors just don't like it to look like you have a laptop. Like it messes up the shot. Also, you, you know? can't have a, a MacBook. No, like a cover. Uh, you got to cover up the, that Apple because yeah, that's not a sponsor. They didn't, pay, they didn't pay for that ad, Will. Nope, got to <laughs> cover it up. Yeah, it wasn't even, it wasn't even Apple was like, you can't do it. It was like, they're like, no, no we're not. Yeah, NFL is like no, oh. they would have to pay to get this Apple on our TV. And and the NFL is very um what are they Microsoft, right? Oh yeah, they have the deal with Surface. You're right. Yeah, you could cuz we would always get emails or you know, you'd be like, "Look at Aaron Rodgers playing with the iPad on the sidelines." Like, it's not an iPad, it's a Surface. Oh, yeah. You're like, "Well, it's it's just a generic term for a, a, a like a no, it's it's a Surface." Nothing's generic where sponsors are involved. Uh, well, got to get right. that one right. That's right. All right. This has been really fun for me. Thank you for doing this. We come okay, back. We were, I, I, sorry, I, I, I talked too much. We probably ran long, but this has been a blast. So much fun for me. Appreciate it. You got it. And you can follow Will on Twitter at Will Brinson. And again, his daily podcast is called The Pick 6 Pod, available wherever you get your podcasts, as is this one. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora. It's also available on the SXM app, free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts. You'll find us there. I'd love it if you would also rate and review the show, and most importantly, subscribe so it just shows up in your feed. 
every day that we have a new episode. For video clips of the show and more, follow me on Twitter, Lindsay underscore Rhodes. On Instagram, I'm Lindsay Rhodes NFL. The NFL Roadshow is part of the SiriusXM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Andrew Emmer. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. And a special thanks to SiriusXM's senior vice president of sports programming and podcasting, Steve Cohen. And we'll be back on Wednesday with a brand new episode with, among other things, a conversation with David Carr and why he blocked Will Brinson and whether or not he has an alert on his phone for his brother. We've got a lot to talk to him about. (laughs) Join us then. Serious XM Podcasts.